Welcome to the Debit This, Credit That podcast with Wheeler Accountants, located in San Jose, California. In this podcast, we discuss how to solve accounting challenges in both your personal life and your business. We take an energetic, tech-savvy approach to solving accounting challenges that steal your focus and your time. Now, on to the show with your tech-savvy accounting experts, Matt Wheeler and Michael Bryant. Welcome to episode of the Debit This, Credit That podcast by Wheeler Accountants with your hosts, Matt Wheeler and Michael Bryant. In episode 29 of our podcast, we provided a lot of valuable career advice for staff accountants while you have a job. So today we're going to spend a little time, since it is recruiting season, talking about some tips and tricks on landing that perfect career in public accounting. Michael, where do we begin? Where where does someone begin finding a job in public accounting? Well, you know, I I head up the recruiting department here at Wheeler Accountants and so have a little experience. I went through it uh, many years ago. I, I graduated from Chico State in 1998, so I'm dating myself a little bit. But, you know, the the same tricks that I used when I was going through recruiting are still applicable today. And so I thought uh, today would be a great day to cover those tips. Sounds good. So it really starts with your resume. The You really want to build a resume over your college career. So you're looking for extracurricular activities. You're looking for internships. If you can land an internship, those are really important. And we'll talk more about that in this podcast. Other jobs that you've done, it is nice to be able to prove some work experience, even if it's outside of public accounting. Also, volunteer work. Doing VITA is is a great one um, to see on a resume. That's a good question. So that is the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance. And it's uh, a great service provided to low-income earners. And what uh, college students can do is get involved in that program and help prepare tax returns during tax season. How soon do students want to be thinking about these things like building the resume and that sort of thing? I would say by your sophomore year, you really do want to be thinking about this because it's we offer an internship program that starts after your sophomore year, as long as you've declared accounting and have at least uh, a few accounting classes under your belt. So this is an opportunity to be able to do two different internships before you graduate from college. Which would be quite the resume builder. That would definitely uh, stand out on a resume. All right. So you build the resume. What else? What else do you need to consider when you're putting in your resume towards um, these jobs? And how does the application process work and all that kind of stuff? So for for the resume, you want to make sure that you proofread your resume. I hate seeing typos in resume. This is your first impression that you're going to be making on on firms. And so it is key to have a dialed in resume. So you should proof it. You should have other people proof it. You should go to the career center and seek their advice and feedback. And don't get too crazy on the styling because uh, I've seen some very interesting resumes that went in the no pile because they were a little too unique. Yeah, so you want to, I mean, proofreading is obviously essential. And a lot of firms you know, like ours get quite a few resumes and many firms use software to sort through them like an initial step, right? So does some of that software automatically sort out like 
spelling errors and that kind of stuff right off the bat for you? It absolutely does. So again, this is why it's so key to make sure that it's proofread and, and well presented. Obviously, we're looking for people in our industry that have attention to detail. And so if you can't even get spelling errors right on your resume, then you're not going to go very far. Yeah, probably not. All right. So you got your resume built up. You're doing extracurricular curricular activities, volunteer work, VITA, that kind of stuff. Resume looks good. It's proofread. What other kind of things can you do to get involved on the path towards getting a, a job in public accounting? I'm a really big proponent for the Accounting Society and Beta Alpha Psi. And those organizations help you to get introduced to firms. They talk about careers in public accounting. And so you get a much better idea of what you're getting into. So you really want to get involved with one of those organizations and uh, and then make sure that you're participating in the events. They have some some great technical meetings where Firms will come and speak on different topics. They also organize office tours, which are really popular. And, and you get to see what a working public accounting firm looks like from the inside and, um, and, and really get introduced to their culture. Also, just becoming an officer, getting like more involved in those um, accounting society or beta alpha psi if you're if you show that you're an officer a you get more interaction with the firms and b that shows that you can hold a leadership position and and be successful in in that i think that's a really great point that you bring up at at becoming an officer and kind of taking a leadership role because i found over the course of my career more and more our job is not only about the technical aspects of accounting, but really about being a leader, a leader and mentor inside the firm to others. And that's the way you move up in the public accounting firm, eventually towards partner where you're managing a book of business and staff that are doing a lot of the work for you and that kind of stuff. You, leadership skills are absolutely essential. Oh, I, I completely agree. And, and the really nice thing about being part of these organizations is that these introductions to firms are in really low pressure situations, you know, an office tour, it's the firms there to kind of impress the students and you're in a big group. So it's just a much more comfortable than a one on one interview. And it, it gets you kind of in that mindset. Yeah, I mean, looking back, I think we're all very nervous during this time period trying to get a job and it's very it can be very intimidating. And not everyone is as outgoing as everyone else. And so that's a really good point that if you're in the kind of the group setting, you do get some exposure. You start to understand more of what the firms are about. You don't have all that pressure of being just one on one. You know, it, it is a little easier to get your foot in the door and start taking that first step. Yeah. And and the firms, the, the representatives that are involved are going to be the representatives that you're most likely going to be interviewing with. So you'll already have some type of rapport with them. Yeah, and they'll, they'll remember you, obviously. So it's good. So what kind of so what kind of firms participate in these office tours and that kind of stuff? And what kind of firm types should candidates be looking at? There's obviously heavy pressure to go big four at many of the college campuses. Oh, of course. That's what all college campuses push is, is the big four. And that isn't a bad option. I did start at, at Ernst & Young right out of Chico State. But there are other options, and I kind of wish that I had more exposure to those other options when I was going through the the recruiting cycle. There's definitely the big four. So in big four, you're either going to be 
tax or audit. They definitely make you decide that up front. You're going to be working on really large clients. So mostly public clients. You could have maybe one or two clients that you're working on the entire year because they're just such large audit clients. And then there's the regional firms and the regional firms still serve pretty large clients. They usually have a mix of public clients and private clients. Again, they usually will make you decide that are you going to go audit or tax? And that needs to be decided when you're applying for the position. You have the the larger local firms. We're considered a, a large local firm. We have our two offices, one in San Jose and one in Watsonville. And we we kind of we're a full service accounting firm. We don't do any public company audits. And we also do not make our uh, candidates or our staff decide what they're going to do. We actually encourage them to work on all different types of projects for our firm, whether it's tax, audit, consulting, bookkeeping. So that way they become a really well-rounded accountant. They can understand what the what a full-service accounting firm does. And then as they grow in their career, then they can really specialize in something that really interests them. There's also the, the sole practitioner. And so a sole practitioner is going to be a primarily focused on tax, um, a lot of individual tax. And there are certainly opportunities there. However, you want to make sure that if you're going to go towards a sole practitioner route, that you want to understand what kind of career path that they're going to provide to you. You don't want to be a staff accountant forever. You definitely want to be moving up in in your career. It's funny because you and I had very opposite pathways going to the public accounting route. And I had the benefit of my, you know, my dad had a practice in Cupertino for a long time, which eventually became our firm here. So I knew what the sole practitioner lifestyle was like from mm-hmm. the inside, having seen my dad go through it. And then um, I also had the benefit of having a really great professor in college at Santa Barbara. And it was one of the advanced accounting courses. So it was like my senior year, I think, that I took this class. And he spent the whole first day of the class talking about your options in public accounting besides the big four. Wow, that that's really awesome that you're exposed to that in school, because I definitely didn't get that at, at school. Yeah, I felt it was super important. And I, I was already biased towards the sole practitioner route. But it was it was great for me to hear it from him and the, his path, the way he did it. Um, he had gone to kind of like a large local firm, basically, or like more like a regional on the East Coast originally. And then he ended up going in private industry for a while. And then he ended up being a sole practitioner on his own later on. And one of the things that he said he would talk about was that, you know, during tax season, he's obviously busy. He's working every single day, including he has some teaching responsibilities. He teaches like two courses at the school or whatever. But then he said during the off season, he would teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He'd work on Wednesdays. He'd have a four day weekend every single week. So <laughs> it just he, he talked about you can have all this flexibility in your life. But, you know, if you don't go the big four route, just depending on what you're looking for and what you want to do. And that I think that was really important to hear not only for me, but for a lot of the students in the class and realize there are multiple pathways to get to the same place. Yeah. In, in my six years at, at Ernst & Young, I, I didn't have a lot of free time. I certainly didn't have a, <laughs> a four-day weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't had a lot of four-day weekends either, but I choose not to do the four-day weekend thing, you know, because we're, we're now, I guess, in the large local category, you know, firm. And we're, 
we're trying to grow it. But, you know, that's definitely an option. The salt practitioner route is you can find a good salt practitioner. And if they're, you know, five, six, seven years out from retirement or something, you may have an opportunity to join that practice and eventually purchase it or take it over and not have to go to a different firm. And you could have that lifestyle if you wanted to, because if you're very tax driven, you're going to be busy during tax season, but you're going to have a lot of free time in the summer and and that kind of stuff. So that can be attractive to a lot of people. Yeah. And that that's a really good point. And that is an opportunity. And that's why it's so important to when you're meeting with that sole practitioner to really understand what your career path's going to look like. Are, are they looking to retire? I, I've seen some accountants that are still in the business at 80 years old. So you want to make sure that that you understand what what your career path's going to look like there. Yeah. I mean, I I ended up working for a sole practitioner at a school for a couple of years and it was a really good experience. I got exposed to a little bit of everything. So not only individual tax, obviously, but small business tax, which in a really small firm like that basically includes a lot of like bookkeeping or cleanup type stuff too, because the client's books usually aren't done professionally by someone or done by the owner themselves or by, you know, an outside bookkeeper that may not have all the requisite skills to book all the entries correctly. So you're doing a lot of like accounting cleanup. You're doing taxes. I also was like doing administrative functions in the firms, so like assembling tax returns, answering the phone, booking appointments, doing payroll, sales tax, all that kind of stuff. And I think that really gave me a really solid foundation in all those things for all types of businesses. Because then when I went to a bigger firm in San Francisco later, which is closer to 100 people, I was one of the only people in the firm on the you know, younger side in, in the firm that knew how to clean up messy books, that understood how to reconcile payroll, all those kind of things that if you don't get that experience, you, don't, you have no clue how to do that stuff. And it takes a long time to learn. And so it, it gave me a lot of skills in order to advise business clients like I have now on the basics of running their business, you know, the, the smaller type businesses where they're, they're faced with all these things. They're faced with payroll tax issues, with sales tax issues, with income tax issues and planning and everything else. And you know, not every company is going to have a controller and a CFO and like a whole accounting team to like book everything according to gap financials and that kind of stuff. You know, that's that's the exception to the rule. So a lot of the clients out there that we have are going to be, you know, they're an owner. They may have someone on the accounting team internally, but they need a lot of assistance outside from their CPA. And that's what we're able to provide. And so that was a benefit for me of going the small firm route is gaining those skills. So I can't help those clients. And that's such a good point. You know, if if you're going to a big four, you're going to have a very narrow focus. You might, again, be working on one or two clients and maybe they're just in the tech field and maybe you are only auditing revenue. So as you as you work down to like a sole practitioner or even a large local firm, you're going to get exposure at a much earlier time to all these different issues. So it depends on, on the kind of person that you are and, and what really interests you that what's going to be the right fit for you. Yeah. But the, the big four has advantages too. You know, we work with clients sometimes in conjunction with the big four and the big four will come in for, some specific issue and they get down to really granular levels of detail and they are absolutely experts in that field where we may not be an expert in that specific area of tax or accounting or whatever. They have people at their, their full job that they focus on their entire career. They have resources internally to research topics and deal with all kinds of like multiple state issues because they have 
offices all over the country or international issues with every single country around the world that has a tax system. And you know, those are the kind of things that you have exposure to in the big four and the resources for which can you, you'll be an expert in your area if you stay there a long time or if you decide to take a step down for lack of a better term to like a regional firm or something you're still going to be dealing with a lot of those issues and you're going to be well positioned to work with some of the, the company's best clients and you can get really good fees for that stuff and, and be a really valuable resource so there's there's definitely multiple ways to go about it. And there's just there's so many pathways in public accounting, which is exciting. There are so many pathways in public accounting and, and public accounting is such an excellent place to start. I mean, so many people have successful careers in public accounting, but so many other accountants that have kind of grown up in public accounting and then moved on to be controllers or CFOs or run companies or start their own businesses there there's so much opportunity and i i'm a huge proponent for starting in public accounting and, and getting that experience let's talk about audit or tax you mentioned that briefly a, a few minutes ago you know you at the bigger the bigger the firm generally you got to make a decision which pathway to go and i find it kind of funny sometimes going to the recruiting events and the students are so convinced about which way they're going already with having zero experience in that area. And it can be a very big decision that impacts your career significantly. And maybe it shouldn't be taken super lightly. And you should put some thought into which one you are picking if you're going to a firm that does make you pick. And what do they always say, Matt? Which which way do they want to go? It depends who you ask. Well, if they're going to the big four, they want to go into audit. Yeah. Of <laughs> Most of the time when I talk to students, they come up to me and, and they say, Hey, I want I want to do audit. And it's like, well, how do you know that you want to do audit? And yes, I am the audit partner at Wheeler. And I started my career at Ernst & Young and I said I want to do audit. But the truth was that I actually really didn't know what I wanted to do. My audit class was my least favorite class in college. <laughs> and and it, it served me well, and, and I really do enjoy audit. But when I came to Wheeler, what I realized was that I didn't have any tax experience. And I came in as a manager, and if I was going to do tax and audit, I would have to start from ground zero. I'd have to become a staff again if I really wanted to, to do tax. Um, luckily, we're we're a large enough firm, and and the firm was really focused on growing the audit department, and so I had the opportunity to to build up the audit department, and I really do enjoy audit at this point. But, like you said, it makes a huge impact in your career, and I think that it's really neat that we provide the opportunity for staff to do everything and then really decide what they're most interested in and then focus on that. As you've mentioned, you can have a, a terrific career in tax and you can focus purely on individual tax and have, you know, kind of a, a lighter schedule outside of tax season. And that can be really attractive to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think the audit or tax thing is probably at the big four level, it's a function of the jobs available, right? I'm sure the number of audit jobs far outweigh the number of tax jobs available. Absolutely. Hence, everyone wants to go into audit. I'm, I'm clearly biased, but I think that the regional route or the large local route is the best route to go. Because even at the regional route, sometimes you can get exposure to multiple areas within the firm early on. So at least you get to understand more about them. 
And definitely at the large local or the sole practitioner, you can. But it's a good sweet spot in those firms where there's plenty of opportunity for advancement and it's a really great career path. And the firm's going to have resources dedicated to investing in succession planning and mentoring programs and training and that kind of stuff. You're going to be able to not get pigeonholed into one little area because the jobs are not going to be so big. They require such a large amount of staffing that you have to be just focused on one tiny area. You'll be able to do a little more. And a lot of the firms you'll get to do maybe tax stuff during tax season and audit stuff in the summer and the fall or whatever. So you get exposed to all the areas for the first several years of your career. That gives you enough time to decide which one you kind of like better, gets you to decide or get you get to meet um, managers and partners in each field and get to know them and hopefully latch onto one of them as a mentor for you. And that way they can help guide you. And that'll help you make a, a more informed, I think, career pathway decision versus going, you know, the big four route where you're basically most likely going to do audit, you know, and then you're going to stay big four. You're going to go to a, a, a regional, probably maybe a large local, but usually you don't step down too much from that. Or if you're going to go the sole practitioner route, you're probably going to be tax. Yeah, exactly. and you're not going to get much audit exposure and it's going to be hard to get those audit hours to get full licensure without going to a larger firm. And you'll probably always be taxed mostly and not have much opportunity to go to audit either. So if you want the maximum flexibility, it's those two categories in the middle, I think, regional or large local, where you you have an opportunity to actually do both. Yeah, I agree with you. So we're in recruiting season right now. Can you describe a little bit about what recruiting season means and what the types of events are that, that are going on right now? Yeah, so recruiting season season is a little different for accounting than other careers because in accounting the recruiting season happens in the fall and you're either getting hired for summer internships that start in for instance right now we're in the year 2018 so they would be starting in summer of 2019 and then we're also hiring for staff accountants in the fall of 2019. the great thing about accounting is that by your um, your fall quarter, you already have a job lined up for next year. So uh, that's it's a really great opportunity. And the key event to attend for recruiting season is that meet the firms or the career fair at your college. And what goes on at the meet the firms and career fairs? <laughs> well, um, firms set up booths and massive speed dating basically yeah it, it is massive speed dating there's a lot of firms there if it's a career fair it's going to be firms and other industries looking to recruit the students there the firms get preview of resumes and then the students get information on which firms and which representatives are going to be at the meet the firms and as you mentioned it's a big speed dating game so you're going to want to have some strategy going into it to make sure that you're talking to the firms that are in the area that you want to be in, have the career path that, that you want to go, um, and, and have the culture that, that you want to be involved in. What are some of the questions that you should be asking of the firms to try and get a feel for them? Because really, you're, they're kind of getting to know you as a candidate, but you're also trying to decide which firm is best for you. Right. Yeah, yeah, you you really want to do your homework before meet the firms. This is this is a key event to to land that perfect job or to get that perfect internship. 
the first step is like the accounting society probably has a list of all the firms that are going to be there and you can go to their websites. Absolutely. So you you want to start doing your research. Um, you're going to know the firms because you'll get that that list from the accounting society or beta alpha Psi. And then you want to just make a plan for which firms that you want to go to. And you're going to find that out by going to their website, figuring out, you know, what services they offer, um, what where they're located. Do they have multiple offices? And then also just you'll get a kind of a feel for the personality of the firm. And then you also want to make sure that you're researching the representatives that are there. You know, a lot of times the the representatives that are recruiting um, from from the firm are graduates of the school that you're at right now. And it's easy to make those connections and and find things in common that you can come up and say, hey, you know, I, I heard you are a graduate of of this school and. Um, it looks like you've had such a great career. I'd like to learn a little bit more about it. You know, these easy, soft introductions. Um, and when you have some information about the people, it, it just makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to several of the Meet the Firms um, events over the years as a recruiter here with our firm. But I actually never went as a student to the Meet the Firms. And um, I think I wish I would have gone, you know, so I, I switched from computer science to accounting very late in my college career as a junior, halfway through my junior year. So I had to do all my accounting stuff in like two and a half years, basically, because I took five, you know, by switching that late. And um, I didn't go to any to meet the firm's things. I just got like a local internship with a small CPA firm. And it would have been nice if I would have exposed myself to a little bit more of the firms in the area, just because I would have could have seen what's out there a little more. I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining at all. My pathway has been perfectly fine. And there's obviously multiple ways to go about it. But I think it is a really good idea to go to meet the firms and get to know some of the options out there and, and see what you like. Yeah, you know, I, I wish that I had gotten involved earlier because I didn't end up doing an internship because I didn't get involved in Beta Alpha Psi until second semester of my junior year. And so I didn't get that experience. I only went to one meet the firms. So going early is a great option. You sh- you should be attending as a sophomore, and uh, and and getting involved and and looking for those internships for the summer. Yeah, if you can get two internships, that'd be great. And I don't know, I'd maybe even think about trying to get two different ones just to get different exposure to different firms. You know, try try like one smaller one, one bigger one, or something to kind of see which one you like better. Sure, this that's the perfect opportunity to figure out what what's a good fit for you, and then what a resume builder to have two different internships on your on your resume. And I mean, it feels good your senior year to have a job offer already established for you in the fall for when you graduate later that spring or summer. It's just nice having that comfort level when a lot of your friends and other majors or whatnot may have no idea what they're going to be doing. Accounting, people get lined up pretty quickly, you know, when you to, to, to have that is, is very comforting, I think, and a very good thing. So the sooner you get involved, if you get an internship and you do well at the internship, you have a good chance of getting a job offer out of that internship. And then you're you're set. Yeah, absolutely. You, you will. Uh, if you perform well, um, most likely you will have that job offer and you'll, you'll have that job offer before even going through recruiting season. And if they're a good firm that, that plays by the rules, they'll allow you to 
have that offer and go through recruiting season so you can make sure that you're making the right decision. So how does the application process work for for getting an internship or getting a staff accounting position with the firm? So it's really key to follow instructions here. So a lot of times firms will use the the on campus, the career center website. Usually it's it's handshake is is the one that's most per predominantly used, but there's other ones out there as well. Um, but if the firm tells you to apply on their website or to apply via an email or to apply solely on Handshake, you should really follow the instructions because that that's like the first key to say, uh, you know, are you going to be a good staff? Can you follow directions? And the other key thing is that usually firms will ask for a cover letter a resume and your unofficial transcripts. So don't just do two. They're asking for all three. The expectation is that all three will be presented. What's your opinion on how to structure the cover letter? You definitely want something that that will grab their attention and you want to do it in the first paragraph. That first paragraph is key because if you can't hook them in the first paragraph, they're not reading anymore. How many how many applications would you say the typical firm gets during this period? We are literally inundated with with resumes. So one of the things that we use for kind of going through them is, hey, did we meet this candidate at Meet the Firms? And is this a candidate that, that we wanted to be talking to? So, I mean, I would say that our firm probably gets four to 500 resumes during this time. And we recruit on six campuses. And if you're even talking about like two minutes per application to look at the cover letter and the resume, that's 800 to 1,000 minutes. That's hours and hours of time going through them, which is why if it doesn't capture your attention in the first few seconds, it's in the trash pile. Or proofreading, there's like obvious errors or grammatical errors, that kind of stuff. It's gone because there's just so many to wade through. You've already, you've already got yourself out of the running immediately. Immediately, and and the other thing is, I see this all the time, but please do not put somebody else's accounting firm when you're like, I really want to work for X Y Z, and you're applying at ABC. Like that, that that's an automatic. Uh, oh, this is not attention to detail, and they get tossed into the trash. <laughs> yeah, those don't go to the top of the pile. Awesome. And then making sure that the you've you've proofread your your resume and you've had somebody else proofread it, the cover letter is the same thing. I see a lot of times where a resume will look really, really nice, and then you'll be like, "Oh my gosh, they just threw together this cover letter and they didn't have anybody proofread it." And doesn't need to be your life story on there, or like <laughs> seven or eight paragraphs. Be, be brief, because like you said, we have less than two minutes to determine whether we're interested in this candidate or not interested from what we're looking at. Yeah, I mean, basically, if you get past this stage, you know, there's going to be a more in-depth getting to know you process and in the interview process, right, where then you can get a little more on like your background and history and that kind of stuff. But you don't need to put it all on the cover letter and that kind of stuff. It's very important in business to have concise and direct business communication skills, especially in writing, because we do a lot of that with our clients. And it's a very common mistake, I think, when, for a lot of people coming directly out of school where they think 
tend to be like a lot a lot more overflowing with with additional flowery language and that kind of stuff <laughs> on everything and people in business typically want to get to the point and very quickly because we're all busy and we all get hundreds of emails a day and that kind of stuff and so learning those skills is is pretty important i actually i had to take a a business writing class yeah i took one too yeah and that'd be a really good thing to take because it helps you be a little more concise and direct and to the point and that kind of stuff which and is hey important. one of my projects in business writing was writing a cover letter so <laughs> good practice there, there. you go Okay, so you applied, you were the lucky ones that didn't go in the trash pile, and they want to talk to you a little more because they like what they see. What happens next? Yeah, so usually there is either an on-campus interview or um, a phone interview, depending on the campus and also the firm. And so you, uh, how do you prepare for the interviews? You know, what, what do you want to do to be ready for, for your interview? So a lot of career centers offer mock interviews, and I definitely recommend taking advantage of that. You know, when I was graduating, I hadn't had any interviews before. You know, I had worked the same job since high school and it was like, okay, yeah, come work for us. And there was no real interview process. So with firms, they ask situational questions. It is, it is, definitely going to be something that you're going to want to get comfortable with. And the way that you get comfortable with it is do those mock interviews and then do situational questions. So go through and think about your responses in advance. I think it's also really important to be yourself in the interviews. (laughs) Absolutely. It's going to come out at some point anyway, obviously, if you do get the job. And so you want to make sure if you're being yourself and you're being open and not too casual obviously in the interview process it's still like an interview right but at least being yourself will get them a better feel for what you're actually like and the things you're interested in and how you approach situations and that kind of thing and where your strengths and weaknesses are and then it'll be a better fit later on when you do find the right firm because you'll you'll understand what you're getting into it's got to be a good fit for both sides right so you want to be authentic because if you aren't authentic and you have made this personality that you aren't, and then you come into a firm and it's like, oh, wait, this isn't really a good fit. Definitely being authentic is important. Yeah, one of my pet peeves I think I I don't like in the interview process is when people act as if they have no weaknesses or areas to work on. (laughs) That's just like a red flag for me immediately. And that person goes in the no pile because we all have things to work on. And if you don't have that self-awareness to admit it and talk about it, then you're not going to be successful because you're just trying to pretend something doesn't exist. And you may not know it exists, which is the self-awareness problem, you know, or you may not handle criticism well or those kind of things. And you're going to encounter situations where you screw up at your job, any job. And so, I'm more interested in seeing about how you approach difficult situations and how you resolve them rather than, you know, how many, how many or how few of you've had, you know, or if you've had none or that kind of stuff. We all, we all know you're not perfect. And I know that if we hire you here, you're going to make a mistake on something at some point. It is absolutely going to happen. So, so how you approach that. Such a good point. I mean, you really want to think about your strengths and weaknesses. It will definitely be uh, questions about that in your interview and you want to be prepared to talk about that and and you're right if somebody says i don't have any weaknesses we're like okay well (laughs) i i don't know anybody that doesn't have any weaknesses so uh that's a concern 
well, don't do the cheese ball ones, you know, like I, you know, I try too hard or like <laughs> that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, need to be real. Yeah. Again, going back to being authentic. It's okay to say like, you know, I work fast. Like for me, I'd probably say that I work really fast and that I will sometimes miss details. But here's what I'm trying to do to slow myself down to get better at that. I, I put together a checklist for myself at the end of the project so I know to go over all the things that I may have missed when I'm going through it too quickly. Or I schedule, I set the project aside, then I come back to it and I review it again with a fresh set of eyes the next day or something where I'm not so deeply involved or any one of those things. At least it demonstrates you're aware of where your shortcomings are and how you try and uh, um, you know overcome them. No, absolutely. What about preparing for the interview in terms of the firm? You want to ask questions about the firm, right? What are some of the questions that maybe you should be asking about the firm to demonstrate your interest? Yeah, you, you want to do your research on the firm, right? So you want to understand what their service lines are. You want to understand what their positioning is in the market. But you also want to understand, ask about the culture. Ask about career paths in the firm. Ask about their mentoring and training programs. Like these are all going to be really key stepping stones in, in getting you to where you want to go. And then how do you want to close the interview? Well, first you want to ask some thoughtful questions because if uh, they tell me they don't have any questions, that is also a concern. So just making sure that you have some thoughtful questions and then you got to close. If it's, if it's going to be a good fit and you do want the job, ask for it. Tell them that you're really interested in this position. When somebody tells me that they're really interested in working for our firm, that actually goes a long way. I'm like, wow, they I really feel like this would be a good fit. They're asking and and more than likely you're going to move on to the next level. As you mentioned, do your homework on the firm, do the research, look at their website, find out what some of the events and things they've been involved with, listen to their podcasts and know the code word bananas <laughs> to use in your interview. And, and and pay attention to some of these things so that you can demonstrate that you do have an interest in the firm. Absolutely. I, I can tell you that one of our staff accountants that we just recently hired mentioned in the first line of his cover letter that he listens to this podcast. I mean, and how easy was that? <laughs> All right. So you, you get past the on-campus interview or the phone interview, right? And then it comes to the in-house interview. What's the difference in that process and is there anything additional you're doing besides what we already talked about for the on-campus or the phone interview it, it's pretty similar to to the campus or or the phone interview when you come in for an in-house interview it's obviously going to be in the offices and if you haven't done an office tour of that firm you'll get a, a feeling for what their office looks like, what their culture is like. And more than likely, you're going to be meeting with multiple people. Uh, we typically set up for in-house interviews three different people, and they're usually going to be a partner, a manager, and maybe a senior. And so you'll get exposure to different levels of staff, and you should really be asking them questions about career growth and opportunities at the firm and what their mentoring and training are. And don't be afraid to ask the same question to different people because you want to make sure that their responses are genuine and that aligned. aligned. Yeah. <laughs>
watch out for your own red flags and in the uh, firms. Exactly. You, know, you get three different answers that could be a red flag that maybe the firm has a little bit disorderly or chaotic. It, exactly. And then, you know, this you're going to be meeting in person. And so you you definitely want to dress appropriately. Even if a firm has a, a jeans policy, I'd probably just steer away from that and you can dress up a little bit more. But you also know the, the culture of the firm and, and know what type of dress is required in the office. What about some of the types of things you should be inquiring about in terms of the firm? Like what, what are the what are the things you want to be asking about the firm offers? Yeah, ask them about do they support getting your CPA license and what kind of support they're providing. We do a bonus at, at the end once they've gotten licensed. We also provide time and flexibility to take those exams. And, and you want to make sure that that's an important part of your career is getting licensed. And so that, that would be a, a key question to ask about. Ask about their training and mentoring programs. Those are those are going to be key to help you grow in your career. Are they going to be focused on your career and, and help you go along a pathway that, that will best suit you? I think it's also good to ask about um, kind of how the goal setting process works and what's expected of you. You know, what are expectations of you as a staff accountant? Sure. How many hours are you going to work during busy season? That Those are appropriate questions to ask. Um, what what types of goals are set for staff? And as you move up, what types of goals um, can you give us some give us examples of goals that would be set at a senior level? I think about asking about the types of clients you'd be working on, and the types of clients the firm has, and the and the types of work, and maybe the different times of year you'd be doing it, and that kind of stuff. Again, to get a feel for what the the workload is like, what the client the clientele of the firm is like, all those kinds of things. Absolutely. And then just team environment. What's the culture of the firm like? Asking questions that uh, will give you insight into what what it would be like working at that firm. Another one that I think is important is to ask what the firm's plans are over the next like five to 10 years, because that could be a, a good key question as well. You know, obviously, if they you know, potentially have like a succession problem or something and like a upstream merger is a likely result. They're not going to let you know that during the interview, but the answer you get on what the firm's goals are may be different or less clear or focused than a firm who's not considering that pathway. So understanding a little bit about what the firm's goals are, the makeup of the partner group, even asking what the succession plan is or the opportunities for advancement maybe is a better way to phrase it or something. But I think those are those are good questions to ask you to get you for a feel on what what where the firm is headed. They're, they're great questions, and I I always try to tell candidates that you know we're we're a growth firm. We're focused on growth because growth provides opportunities to our staff, so everybody has an opportunity to move up. And succession planning, we've been very successful in our succession planning, and we have a very diverse partner group, and we're looking to continue to grow and make opportunities for people. There are other firms that, you know, maybe they're not focused on growth or maybe their partner group looks very uniformed in their 60s. And what what's going to happen to that firm? Are, are they going to be acquired? Because if they are acquired, that can really change the, the culture of the firm. It could be a good idea to check out some websites like Accounting Today and maybe even get on their email list because they send pretty regular emails and they have a lot of articles on the state of the profession 
and kind of where the profession is headed and those kinds of things. And if you're paying attention to that before the interview process and then you're asking about those things in the interview, it really demonstrates partner level thinking about the firm in terms of a business. And that's a, a really something that, you know, we like to see someone who's thinking about this as a business that, you know, they, they want to be on the partner track, that they want to make this their career, that kind of thing versus someone just trying to get a job. Really good point. And also, you know, Cal CPA and AICPA have student memberships and you can get access to all this information and generate additional questions about state of the industry. And they're really inexpensive or really inexpensive or, free. or, or probably free. I think Cal CPA is like really inexpensive and AICPA is free. OK, and then you you how do you end the interview? And what about next steps? Again, close the interview, ask those thoughtful questions and close the interview. If you do want that position, you should be asking for it. Say, you know, I've really enjoyed my time here today. I feel like this would be a really good fit for me. And I really hope I have the opportunity to work for this firm. That will go a long way. And then remember, after leaving the interview to follow up with a thank you email or a handwritten note is always very nice as well. Yeah, definitely some sort of thank you. It's surprising sometimes how that doesn't happen, you know, fairly often. And that that's a, a knock against you typically. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's on our checklist for candidates is did they follow up with a, a thank you note? That's real quick, real easy to do, but very important. Yeah. Well, I hope that uh, our candidates out there have gotten some really good tips and tricks as they're going through recruiting season. We're looking forward to talking to a lot of you uh, in, in the next few months. That's all for today's episode of the Debit This, Credit That podcast. As always, if you have any questions, you can contact your Wheeler Accountant Preparer or submit a question online at our website in the Ask Wheeler section at the bottom of the page. Please remember to follow us on social media for regular updates at Wheeler CPAs and on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks for listening as we help you solve for accounting.